Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. Do you share the same fear that many Americans have when facing retirement? And that is the fear of outliving their money. With medical technology keeping us alive longer, and things like Social Security being endowed and pensions being pretty much a thing of the past, Americans are forced more than ever to save for their own retirement. Have you saved enough? Will you be able to support the lifestyle that you've dreamed of? Will you be able to retire when you want? Join us today as we welcome Curtis Cloak. Curtis is a nationally recognized speaker, author, and trainer across the financial services industry, specializing in retirement income and estate planning. His company provides software and educational training programs for retirement income and estate planning solutions for financial professionals. Today, he's going to share with us some of the concerns that many Americans face while planning for retirement, as well as some of the solutions you can implement to help better secure your retirement. Welcome, Curtis. Yes, good morning. Say, you've had a lot of experience with clients, and today with all the volatility that we've seen in the marketplace and the news media is just filled with negativity, what do you see the fears are that clients have today? You know, in our practice, when a client comes in, the typical fears that we find are really one of five. The first one being outliving their money. Most clients are really not sure whether they have enough. And depending on what they have for resources, both income and asset resources, they virtually have no idea to know what method or what process to use in terms of calculating the math and science on whether there's a chance that they can maintain their standard of living and how that might be impacted by all the elements second thing that we find is people are very concerned about the control of their money. And the third thing is rising inflation. Today, we are seeing folks really more concerned about the potential of inflation. We're in a different economy. It's not just a U.S. economy. It's a global economy. We have certainly consumer debt at a level we've not seen before, as well as we have federal debt and then the global debt that's applicable to all of the other countries that we all are really relying on together. And for some, not all, but for some, they want to leave a legacy. They want to make sure that they can sustain these lifestyle goals with their income addressed to inflation and have the liquidity necessary for the unknown things to happen. And then at the end of the day, have something to provide to those they love the most. And then the last risk that we see is clients who are fearful of making an investment mistake. That's two-pronged. The first prong of that investment mistake are all the media stories about the Madoffs of the world. Because of these stories about guys who've gone astray and have taken advantage of clients in a really big way, when they're walking in our door meeting us for the first time, there's this nut gut-wrenching item that's kind of going on saying, how do I know I can trust this guy any more than the guy in the media? And so that's a real element that we need to be certainly cognitive of. The second element of that investment mistake are those that say, well, what if I go to a loan because I'm fearful of picking the right guy or the right gal? And so they make their own mistakes. How do I address those concerns? And I find that those that are fearful of this investment mistake, that's almost as important, if not more important, than the fear of outliving their money. There's definitely a lot to be contemplating when you are retiring. So when people are, what portion of their decision have you found, Curtis, is financial, and then what portion is emotional? I think the decision to retire and the financial decisions that are around that, it's a 75% emotional decision. 
that they have to hurdle to determine. It's a lifestyle change. It's a change of engagement. There are all kinds of changes that will affect their emotional, economic, and routine of life. And so I think 75% of the decision is emotional, and I think 25% of the decision that they're making is a financial decision. Just one comment I'll make, and that's why it's, I think, important to reach out to an advisor because I always try to explain to clients, part of my job is to try and remove the emotional factor for you as a financial person. We really are supposed to come to the table with a perspective that takes that emotion out and just basically look at the science and math and tell you what makes the most sense from our perspective. Well, here's what we tell clients. We say, you know, don't just retire, but refire. What we think retirement is, it's not necessarily that you're done or that you don't have something that causes you to be all excited to wake up to do the next morning, but it's a change of engagement. It's doing the things now that you'd rather be doing than the things that you had to do when making income was important. It's a change of engagement, but not yet done. And it may be working for significance, the things that matter most, church, children, missionary work, library, the arts, whatever that may be. We just say there's got to be some things in your life that are really important to you that you can devote and be very passionate about. And when you retire to do those things, the last thing you want to be worrying about is what's going on in the market every day. And so how do you do that? How do you retire without watching MSNBC, needing necessarily to have to worry about what goes on in the Wall Street Journal? but to do so with a blend of confidence. And so that is part of the emotional that we actually try to at least articulate. Hey, Curtis, as people change from accumulation to retirement, what are the risks associated with that that they should be aware of? And what are those rules of thumb that they should be aware of as well when making that transition? Because I know from experience, it's a pretty anxious and scary time for a lot of people. A lot of people adapt to that transition a little bit different than others. Can you comment on that? Yes. Well, the first thing I'd say is that retirement is really, there's risk and rules of change between those working years and those retirement years. And I like, in a metaphoric way, I like to talk about this in terms of climbing a mountain. And the goal of climbing a mountain typically is to reach a summit. And that's the way we think about it. But the preparations that go in behind climbing the mountain to get to the summit are a lot on how you pack the bag to get safely back to camp. And so metaphorically, I like to talk about all these working years that we're accumulating money. It's kind of like packing the bag to get to the summit and experiencing the joy of getting there. But when we pack that bag, the descent, two-thirds of all deaths occur in mountain climbing on the descent between the summit and getting back to camp. When we pack the bag, the risk and rules of change between working years, the climb to the mountaintop, versus the descent to camp retirement years, is we're accumulating money in the retirement years, and then we have to distribute from the nest egg. We're not adding to it anymore. Another difference is we're risk tolerant during the working years, and we become more risk adverse every year we're in retirement. In working years, mathematically, we're trying to take so much from our paycheck every month. And mathematically, if we're doing the calculations every year as the markets ebb and flow and as we experience different income levels, it's not too difficult from a math and science perspective to accumulate to a sum of money. But when we retire, we have no idea when ourself or our wife may actually pass away. How long do we have to build this for is an unknown timeline. So the degree by which we have to distribute this in order not to run out of money and hopefully leave a legacy for those that may be important, it becomes less clear. 
couple more, we're open to a lot of options, and we'll take some risk in our working years that when we get to retirement, we're not flexible there, and we're willing to take less of those options. And then finally, we're willing to consider complex and more diversified considerations in working years, but the closer we get toward the end in our retirement years, we want it to be more simplified and consolidated. I call those the risk and the rules of change. But there are actually five major risks that a client needs to be in tune to, and as an advisor works through the solutions, they really need to be prepared to address at least these five things. There certainly are more than this, but the first one is the longevity risk. A husband and wife 65 today, based on the actual studies that are now available, 50% chance of one of them living to 92, 25% chance of one of them living to 97. The second risk that must be contended with is the risk of inflation. When retirement distribution is designed, it must consider built-in level of inflation. 1969, the median income was $15,000. 3% interpolated inflation through 2009 is 47505 That's been true 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. If we look back at what our income used to be and what our parents' income used to be, and it's simply a mathematical fact that we're going to contend with going forward 15, 20, 30 years from now that we must build into the contingency. The third risk that we must focus on is the fact of health care. We're going to have health care issues the older we get, and the medical inflation rate by which health care is escalating is about 6.6% compared to an average of 3% for everything else. So that medical inflation cost to those things that we need to build in for medical costs from the income that we're relying on from distribution of income needs to consider medical inflation a little higher level than everything else. Then there's something called the sequence or pattern of returns risk. And this is something that most consumers really don't know a whole lot about. And it's something that up until the last 10 or 15 years, we really weren't highly focused on. And that's because we went through a time frame in the market where we didn't see a ton of volatility. Went many, many years where it was very consistent for a long period of time. But during the period of retirement, Where we're used to looking at average returns, depending on the volatility of the market, it depends on if we're depending on market-driven assets, how much of those assets might we have to utilize each and every month as the market goes up and down. That sequence of returns is a study that people need to become a student of and understand its potential impact. And I'll simply say that there are ways today to address not risking that sequence or pattern of returns in a way that you can create safety that certainly we'd encourage for clients to consider. And then the last one is market volatility. And they sound very similar, but what we basically recommend clients do is once they can figure out proximate income gap and based on an inflation slope of some reasonable rate of inflation and based on targeted longevity, When we do the math and science, we try to identify a portion of the portfolio necessary based on what we can achieve in static guaranteed returns in order to fill in that gap. And so those are the five risks that we realize really need to be focused on, not necessarily the fears they walk in the door with. Well, I know that you also talk about life stages and the danger zone. So tell us more about that. Well, there are really three stages when it comes to talking about this. It's the working years and then the retirement years. But what happens is we used to say five years before retirement, five years after is kind of that critical red zone, danger zone. Just because we've just recently passed over a 10-year time frame, a 12-year time frame, where the market has behaved the way that it has. Let me give you an example. 
The Dow Jones Industrial Average crossed the 10,000 mark for the first time ever, March the 31st of 1999. And if we take a look at where the Dow Jones Industrial Average ended, say July of 2010, not too long ago, it ended the month at 9,600. And if we go back to about August of 2011, where we saw markets come down pretty dramatically in a short period of time, they come down to about 10.3. Now, we're just talking, again, just a few months away. That's a very long period of time where we really didn't get past 10,000 in the Dow. Bottom line is, over that period of time, had you just simply invested money in the passive S&P 500, $100,000, in January of 1999, you would have not had $100,000 left at the end of 2009. And so any period of decline of value in the five or ten years before you retire and the five or ten years after you retire could have as much as a 20 to 30 percent impact on the chances of you outliving your resources and being stuck with whatever Social Security and pension is going to pay you. And so it's really important that you start thinking about planning for retirement, not at the point of retirement, but as far in the future, up to 10 years in advance if you're willing, but no later than five years prior, because you want to protect money during that period of what we call the danger zone. Curtis, let's take a short break, and when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about all the moving parts that you've got to deal with with retirement, and let's talk about some of maybe the basic considerations. So please stay tuned. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer securities and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, PO Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor. Network. I'm Leslie Bibb. Everything changed the day my mother received the awful call that there had been an accident and my father hadn't survived. Suddenly she was faced with having to raise four girls on her own. But my mom's burden was lessened by my dad's thoughtfulness. His life insurance kept her family together and enabled us to carry on. My father loved us enough to expect the unexpected. Learn more at lifehappens.org, a public service message from the Nonprofit Life Foundation. Welcome back as we continue our conversation today with Curtis Cloak, who's a financial planner and a life planner. And we've been talking about retirement income planning. As I mentioned before the break, there's no question retirement planning has a lot of moving parts. So let's just dial down to the basics. What are some of the basic considerations? The first one is making sure that we can secure an income, a paycheck that is reliable, predictable, and one that you can have confidence on. The next one is figuring out how to do that by minimizing taxes, so there's a tax component. The next one is addressing where you can meet, beat, or cover the issues of inflation, both traditional inflation for traditional expenses and medical inflation. And we want to do that for the income component while trying to maximize returns that are reliable while minimizing the risk associated with delivering that income. And then for those that it's important, addressing legacy. So there are several components that we're trying to measure all at once that we're trying to bring together. I think those are the basic components. 
Now, Curtis, you've been doing this income planning for a number of years. What's the key philosophy that you use and apply to retirement planning, and how does that process help the clients have a successful retirement? Usually when clients come to me, we're trying to get an aerial photograph, metaphorically, of their situation. And that aerial photograph is really a representation of all the assets that they've accrued. And then if they're coming to us prior to retirement, whether it's six months before or five years before, projection as to what those assets look like in a future value based on the current contribution levels that they're making and projected returns that we ascertain going forward. And then what are the income resources, such as pension, Social Security, based on that house? And once we get that view, it really does represent their total portfolio base. Traditional planning simply tries to solve two conflicting goals at the same time. The first thing that we always hear from a client is, we want this income, but do not cannibalize my portfolio. And their goal is to try to preserve and ultimately grow that portfolio over time. Now, we all know that some have prepared and saved enough that for some, we can actually accomplish that goal. And then for others, it's simply a chore to create a distribution plan that allows them to sustain that distribution on some level of inflation slope without running out before the end of the final spouse's death. And so various things will happen. But when you try to come at that portfolio where you have these two conflicting goals, preserving assets and growing them over time at the same time as trying to distribute without running out of money, it becomes very difficult when you have those conflicting goals with one portfolio. So we say divide and conquer. Actually, using our process, we calculate, as I indicated earlier, approximate present sum of the portfolio in today's dollars necessary to achieve that income goal. And for clients that have a goal that's bigger than what their resources could likely ascertain from the math and science that we've calculated, and the sooner before retirement that we do that, the better it is, because what we're going to talk about are some minor vector changes that can happen that far out that will allow their expectation to prevail based on the resources that they've allowed to come to be. And when we separate the assets into separate and distinct camps, one focused solely on income distribution, once we know what that number is, allows the remainder of that portfolio to be focused totally on liquidity needs for things that we cannot plan, hyperinflation periods for which we can't dial into the essential income need, and ultimately growing those assets for either later needs and desires or maybe even legacy if that's important. So it's that divide and conquer, breaking that portfolio into two distinct parts. Curtis, you use the word, I'd say at least a dozen times, we, in answering that question. And this is really a team approach. This isn't something people should go alone. You should be working with a financial professional. A lot of times that involves having a CPA involved. You talk about legacy goals. They should have an attorney involved. If there isn't a we in the equation, if everyone's doing their own thing, a lot of times they can take clients in separate directions, and I think that's a recipe for failure. What's your philosophy on that? You know, I love that question. It's asked of me oftentimes. What I like to say is that every financial problem or every financial program that we're trying to put together, I call it three-dimensional. And though we're only on this recording in an audible way, if I were to hold up my hand visually to you and you were sitting across my desk, I would see my palm, you would see my knuckles, and we would both agree that we saw my hand, but neither of us saw exactly the same perspective. And we might even argue, looking at our own perspective, what we saw might be very, very different. I call these financial issues to be tri-dimensional. 
There's an accounting aspect to these financial questions. There's a legal aspect to these financial questions. And there's a product-specific angle to these financial questions. And, you know, good financial advisors are dangerous enough with the accounting and the legal to at least have a viable conversation. But you cannot rely on them to your detriment to those decisions. And certainly the same is true of the accountant and the attorney when it comes to product decisions about how to design retirement plans with product. And together, they're a marriage made in a very powerful way, and they're each looking at that perspective, similar to the metaphoric idea of the hand, knuckles in the palm, and together they really come together to give you good advice. I can't fathom today a person trying to go this alone without the team that you've described. I think the other issue that we should touch on when we're talking about retirement planning is when you poll people, I'm sure they would think the discussion of Social Security and pensions should be had when you're talking about retirement planning. So what should we know about Social Security? and pensions, and is there anything that we can do to improve the outcome by paying attention to these type of benefits? Absolutely, and let me just insert one in here, and I kind of briefly touched on it, but there's really three things that you can do to substantially optimize and discount the present sum of the portfolio value you must commit to income planning, and that's to create big efficiencies with tax, Social Security, and any pensions that you might have in play. So we mentioned tax. I'm going to speak about Social Security. With Social Security, there are several different strategies that individuals can consider in terms of figuring out based upon their age of retirement, depending on their income record, their spouse's income record, and in the event there's been more than one marriage, a prior spouse's income record, and how long they're actually going to live. And lastly, the combination and makeup of their existing portfolio that will determine whether or not taking Social Security at the date of retirement or at a different date is going to be optimum in terms of allowing the least amount of their assets to be withdrawn and utilized for income over their retirement time horizon. For some, they might want to not take it when they retire, but rather use their own assets to bridge to a later time when taking Social Security is more optimum. Just in a very generic way, every year of delay typically adds an 8% increase for every year of delay up to age 70. And in some situations, it can mean more than that. And you also have inflation effect going on with Social Security that can make that more compounded. There's also strategies such as file and suspend. Bottom line is there are five dimensions that we test to help us determine the optimum for when a client should elect Social Security. And unless you're working with a professional and until it's built into the holistic math and science of the entire plan, you can't answer that question with any sort of confidence. In the same way as there's efficiencies for the Social Security, there's efficiencies that can be decided on what pension option based on the options that your employer provides is going to provide the most optimal use of those pension dollars. And with pensions, there's three dimensions of calculations we look at. Some of them are very similar to what we would look at with Social Security. Again, these are the kinds of things that unless you're working with a professional who's really educated and experienced at these kinds of questions, you might not optimize. Curtis, I know with the pension thing, and you've probably experienced this a lot too, people really have to be motivated to get the proper information to determine how to maximize those pension benefits. And they have the life-only options, you have survivorship options, and I don't know if you come across this in your practice, but I know I certainly have, where I have the clients call to get the information on those survivorship options, and the common answer is, well, you do that six months before you retire, we'll calculate it then, we can't help you right now. But you really have to be motivated and you have to say, you know, this is a benefit 
I'm entitled to. And to be able to plan properly, I don't think people can plan too soon. And unfortunately, most of this planning is done at the last minute when it's really hard to affect change by considering what option might be best for you and preparing to shore up that option. What has your experience been in trying to gather that information? Are you finding the same thing where the institutions that they have these pensions with, it's really like pulling teeth to get the proper information and do the proper analysis? Yeah, oftentimes it is frustrating for the client when you kind of leave them on their own to go get this data. What we oftentimes will do is actually do a conference call directly with the employee, directly to their HR departments or whatever departments they would defer us to, and we'll actually explain to them what it is that we're doing and the importance of it. And though they can't give us uh, final or definite numbers, many times these pensions are formulated based on years of service. And so what we usually are able to do is get the cooperation and an effort to get the estimates that we want to at least start doing the projections in advance for those that are willing to prepare in advance of retirement. So I would say, again, a professional working with you, being authorized to speak to those HR departments on your behalf with you also participating in that call is certainly a way you're going to be able to get that information to do the analytics that are necessary early. Hey, Curtis, let's kind of wrap up with how your process allocates and balances the assets for clients to kind of secure their income. Well, and we've kind of talked about it before, but by doing that divide and conquer concept, what we take a look at is the various classes of assets. So there's really three basic kinds of classes of assets. There are non-qualified after-tax dollars that we have to invest, and there are pre-tax qualified money. This might be monies in a 403B, a 401K, IRA, SEP IRA, those types of assets where we've gotten a deduction by virtually depositing those monies in there and all the gains have been deferred. So there's been virtually no tax on those dollars. And then potentially we have Roth IRA. We haven't had those around too long, but assets in Roth IRA. And it's figuring out how to divide those assets and time the distribution to maximize the efficiencies while minimizing the taxes that would otherwise be applicable. And it's separating those assets with what I call preserved and planned liquidity on an inflationary basis to provide a paycheck for the life of the client, giving them confidence to be able to have a change of engagement to do the things they retire to do without always worrying about what goes on in the market, and then separating the remainder of those assets for designed liquidity that gives them the liquidity for things that can be planned and for hyperinflation that can be planned and for growth and legacy aspirations that they may have. And those combination approaches of allocating those dollars, we find having done this now for 25 years, that we can really see folks that have been able to put to bed the fear, getting over that emotional hurdle of can I retire and what does it mean to me, and then have the math and science at the same time that gives them the confidence to really retire in a way that they're pretty confident. I'll maybe just end with this. Our goal is to secure an inflation-adjusted stream of income, and we want to do that with all the efficiencies we've described in this call today by using the absolute least amount, that means maximizing all the efficiencies of their assets so that the remainder of those assets can be unfettered for liquidity, growth, and then legacy planning. Well, there's no better way to wrap up. Curtis, thanks for sharing your length of wisdom with our listeners today. Retirement income planning can be a pretty scary thing to do. Not doing it by yourself, of course. That's, from a planner standpoint, the most scariest is picturing somebody trying to figure out all these puzzle pieces themselves. They need to find the connection with their current advisor and their planner and connect with that team that we talked about to make sure that they have a secure future. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'm sure we'll tap into your wisdom in the future. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week, and tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. 
And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your Real Wealth Advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer security and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, P.O. Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful week.